right, guys, welcome again to the Salt City Church podcast. I'm once again on a digital road trip in Ronda the Honda, and I'm joined by my friend and fellow pastor, Recap Gray. Recap, welcome, man. Hey, how you doing, man? Good to be here. Good to be here. Good to be here. Yeah, great to have you. So Recap is a pastor down in Des Moines, Iowa, and I called him up this week because I was like, man, I need some help to interpret everything that's going on in Minneapolis right now. There is a lot of uh, just anger and there's a lot of uh, questions. Just got off the phone with one of our staff gals and people are just uh, wondering how to respond rightly to what happened with George Floyd. And so we want to get into some of that. But before we get into that recap, I'd love for you to just share for us your story of, of coming to faith in Jesus and, and how you came to to be doing what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, so long story. Obviously, all of us have long stories. So long story short, um, when I was 14 years old, I was playing ball uh, in Maryland and uh, making that transition from middle school to high school. Uh, I was decent in middle school and uh, just very arrogant, though. And I was in my room, ended up not being able to get the scholarship I wanted to play at this one private high school and just realized, like, all my purpose was stocked in something that even if I did well would be gone by the time I was 40. And that thought, for some reason, settled in real quick. And so... Um, in that moment, for the first time in my life, I cried without a belt in my uh, my butt, <laughs> and uh, and I uh, just prayed to the Lord, like Lord, will you uh, uh, save me? And all I knew was what my grandma had told me when I was four years old, that crowd to Jesus and uh, He will save you. And so that's exactly what I did. Um, and in that moment, I was met with overwhelming sense of my guilt, and then almost simultaneously met with an overwhelming sense of forgiveness for all the things that I had done and uh, broke me down, started picking up the scriptures, reading from Genesis to Revelation, got to the gospels, didn't really fully understand Jesus. And that just changed the game once I made it to Matthew and found myself like, yo, he talked different than <laughs> Moses. Like, you don't say thus say the Lord. He say, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And I found myself wanting to worship him as I started going through the gospels and was wondering like, am I off bases? And my pop was the one who finally explained to me how Jesus fits within the Trinity and all of that after he made me keep reading until I got to John. And uh, after that, man, uh, my life was just radically, radically, radically different. Um, I felt called into ministry 10th grade year. So like two years after that. And, um, And yet, man, I was dumb shy, like just, hated talking to people even if it's three people in the room like I want to hide um my mom used to like force me to call Pizza Hut on Friday night so I would talk to a stranger (laughs) um just like crazy 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 shy so I didn't know how in the world I can deal with this sense of calling and also deal with my personality uh and then went to Malawi Africa God did some crazy stuff there decided that my first sermon was going to be in front of 700 people for the first time talking in front of people like ever. And it was like no baby steps into this. It was like talking to three people and then talking to 700. 
And I think that moment, because it was that powerful, solidified for me, like, oh man, this is what I've been called to do. So I ended up finishing my engineering degree and all that. But once I got back from Malawi, just went into a full-time ministry and man, met Pastor Andy, 2016 in August, day after Cottage Grove Church Planet. And, um, you know, by December, me and my wife had decided to move out here. And uh, in March, we made that move. So it's been about three years and some change now since we've been out here. So that's my long story short. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you find yourself doing now? I mean, uh, what's kind of the, the mission at Cottage Grove? And yeah. uh, you guys have a, a really cool unique ministry within our network and how, how would you describe what God's doing within Cottage Grove at this point? Yeah, um, I can describe it by even just talking about the change and even our mission statement. So uh, when we first started, I think our mission statement was to proclaim and display new life in Christ. Um, we've changed it to proclaim and display the reconciling work of Christ. They are actually the same thing, <laughs> but the nuance there is in this reality that um, evil people with the scripture would literally say in Romans enemies have been reconciled to a perfect God, but those enemies against God <laughs> are now also reconciled to one another as brothers and sisters. And that reality, it doesn't go just like they're really tight friends even, but he uses this language of the family of a body of a building. And there is a deep necessity for one another. Um, and so one of the tagline scriptures for me has been, you know, uh, Ephesians chapter three, after they've like kind of gone through Ephesians one and two, and he's talking about, yo, Ephesians one, this is incredible salvation. Ephesians two, you don't deserve it. <laughs> and then uh, he gets to Ephesians three after he just talked about how Jews and Gentiles also are reconciled to one another and they are co-heirs with one another. So there's not even like, they're not just reconciled, but one's on top. Co-heirs equal with one another. That means my thoughts and my theology should shape your thoughts and your theology and vice versa. This is a give and take of cultures. And then Ephesians chapter three, verse 14 through 21, like Paul, like loses his mind. Like for this reason, I bow my knees before uh, the, the father of heaven and earth from whom every family on heaven and earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power by the spirit in your inner beings so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, <laughs> so that you being rooted and grounded in love, and here's the part, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. What Paul is like literally laying out there is the heart of what we're trying to go for is this reality that because God has given us such a multi-layered grace, it takes a multifaceted people to understand that grace that he has given. And so no one culture can have the corners market on understanding that. And so we want to just see, man, the fullness of the grace of God from all these different perspectives and cultures, all pointing towards the same glory of Jesus Christ. So, yeah, and it's been a fun journey, hard journey, um, difficult at times, want to give up at times. I mean, it's not easy. I get why churches don't do it. Um, but um, at the end of the day, it has been truly worth it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, even as you're talking, I think that's why I've benefited so much from our relationship recap. It's it's like we've got the same spirit in us and we have the same goal to point people toward 
the work of Christ and the yes. spirit in them and the new life that we have and, and mm -hmm. his reconciling work. But we see things from a different perspective because mm -hmm. of our different backgrounds. Yes. And how do you think your background growing up in inner city Philadelphia mm -hmm. as an African-American mm -hmm. man and just what you've seen impacts the way that you see a situation like what happened in Minneapolis a few days back with George Floyd? Yeah, so quick uh, little caveat. So I didn't grow up in Philly. Uh, my dad was in the military. We moved around quite a bit, ended up okay. in Philly. But yeah. um, everywhere I've been, just God has placed us in different contexts. So like I always tell people, like when we were in the military, we moved to Alaska at one time and there's a hood in Alaska. <laughs> and uh, we went to school there. And it's crazy. Like I saw some of the worst stuff I've ever seen in Alaska, been in elementary school. So, um, it, it, you know, it's a hood in every city. Um, but when I got to Philly, um, you know, older, just thinking through things in a different perspective, it started to put all of these past experiences I had and didn't have language for. And now I'm a Christian too, into just some really vivid ways where I'm able to explain some things and starting to see some things in scripture and, um, and so I would say like, you know, being in Philly, being in other places, um, you know, I, we were talking last night and I was just saying like, it's when I see something like what happened in Minneapolis with Gregory Floyd, I don't just see a man dying. I don't just see a man being killed because I've seen some of those things too. And it's as sad as it is, but I think what I also see is a connection between different things that have happened in my own life or that I have seen other people experience. And so it's more that connection of, yeah, that thing that just happened there, that powerlessness that not only he had, but that whole group standing around couldn't stop it, couldn't go in and do something about it. Though you can tell, like, uh, I think the firefighter was like literally shouting out like, check his pulse, check his pulse, check his pulse. And it's this like, as I was hearing her, I've had those moments where I'm like, stop what you're doing, stop what you're doing, stop what, but you can't do anything about it. And so it's more the connection of my own experiences. And if this helps, that didn't get captured on video and to be able to see almost like a playback of experiences I've had on video um, for people to comment on all those things. I think that's more of the types of things I, I, I feel and probably you know many other minorities feel when they see these things. So. Yeah yeah, hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. And so, yeah. when you see the response, you know, crowds in the street, and you know, there's um, people throwing rocks through windows and lighting things on fire, and and there's sort of this visceral anger mm -hmm. that I I think not only the black community is feeling, but the whole world. I was just at the dentist, somebody cleaning my teeth and I was having a conversation with this woman and, and she's feeling just this visceral anger and, and sadness at such an obvious injustice. But how have you learned to process your anger, legitimate anger at injustice when you've been, you've had a front row seat in a different way than I have because of my background how have you yeah. learned to process that with God? What's the godly response yeah. to injustice? This, this is this is crazy. So I'll tell you what has happened. So this is uh, Lamentations 2, 
22. Um, and this is what it says. These are the last verse of chapter two. It says, you summon as, as if to a festival day, my terrors on every side. And on the day of the anger of the Lord, no one escaped or survived. Those who I held and raised my enemy destroyed. So this lament, this lament, by the way, in chapter two of uh, uh, Lamentations, is a crazy lament because it's super layered. He's lamenting the pain his people are experiencing. At the same time, he recognizes that they've been lied to by false prophets. So they've sinned because they've been lied to by false prophets. So God's judging them. But then at the same time, he's like, you've never judged anybody else like this. And so there's just this rawness and this authenticity that you see there. And then it ends with, and on the day of God's anger, no one survives. <laughs> like no one gets away with the things that they've done. So honestly, the way I begin to process through my anger, because I've been hurt, angry, frustrated, all of those things, is to recognize this as a comfort that no matter how angry I am with injustice, the God I love, serve, and who died for me is angrier. <laughs> and on the day of his wrath, it will be dealt with. And it has either been already dealt with in his wrath on the cross of Jesus Christ, or those who have done this will pay themselves. But that injustice will be dealt with by an angry God. And so I think oftentimes we're like, man, anger is just so void of God. Like it's so different from God. And actually we experience anger as an emotion because we have a God who's experienced anger. We didn't create anger. We have a God who is gets angry. And so therefore the solace that I can have is not in like, I can, you know, figure out, you know, I'm not going to be angry this time, but rather to say, man, my comfort is in that no matter how angry I feel, God, I'm so thankful that you're angrier with this sin than I am. And that is honestly the place I go um, to find any kind of comfort in calm me down at, at times, but you know, that battle's lost and won at times. Um, one of the things, you know, we talked about yesterday too, was just people who deal with trauma, right? And like pain and what it does. And so you see these protests, right? In the streets and all of these things. And sometimes they, you know, move to worse and worse things like throwing rocks and all those things. And two things on that, like one, the way minorities are treated in protests and the way I see like white folks treated in protests feels radically different. That's part is hard to deal with. But what's crazy is like, um, this is like a wild connection, but uh, you know, ERLC put out this thing on sexual abuse and how to care for those who have been abused well. And one of the things they said that, has, that will forever sit with me and just made sense out of some experiences I've had is that oftentimes pastors get in trouble when they hear about abuse from the congregation and the you know, alleged abuser is sitting there and the one who's abused um, is sitting there. And most of the time, the alleged abuser is actually more calm and coherent than the one who has allegedly been abused. And so because we have logical minds, we look at the one who is calm and coherent and say, they must be right. And what the video actually explained is that it's actually the reality that pain causes you not to be as coherent. 
So actually, when you see somebody incoherent, not putting it all together well, scrambling in some ways, feeling like it's all over the place, but vivid in their explanation, you can almost rest assured that they are probably the ones who's telling the truth and the abuser, the one who is coherent is actually the one who is probably lying. And so when I see these protests in a corporate scale um, in the street and all of this, and there's just anger and violence and all those things, my response is like, well, it's actually probably because they, they have actually experienced the real pain and tragedy of this long before this one moment and have just never been able to express that before. And so I also see those things through that lens now. And, and honestly, I praise God for the ERLC putting together this uh, thing on how we care well for those who have been abused because it helps me even see these things on a corporate scale. Last thing on this is another thing that helped me was in, um, I was at RTS studying uh, second you know, temple Judaism. And one of the things I learned in that class too is that the Jewish people had a similar response. So you, in every crisis, you'll have like retreat. You'll have those who, yeah, retreat, those who want to riot. And you'll have other people who just say, you know, you know what, forget this. I'm just going to embrace this, right? So I'm just going to become whatever this thing is. I'll almost assimilate. And truthfully, that's what happens in the African-American community, especially. You have people who just want to retreat. Let me get out of this community, right? You have those who just say, man, I'm just going to embrace this. Like, if they're going to call me this, whatever, I'm going to be this. And then you have those who want to uh, start a revolution, right? And then the few, the few, it's almost like I wanted to do it like with the Marine voice, the few, the proud, <laughs> the Marines, right? The few will, through the power and grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ, looking at injustice in the face, want to do something different than all of those things, and they'll want to reconcile. And when you find those who want to reconcile in the face of injustice, man, that is God at work. And honestly, that, that is truthfully my hope for the world. And especially, you know, here in Des Moines and, um, you know, in the surrounding cities. So, yeah, long answer so to how, a short question. Yeah, so. how would you encourage us as a church in Minneapolis that is mostly white right now? Mm -hmm. to approach this particular situation and to encourage reconciliation. And at the same time, we sit in a place of uh, not fully understanding what it's like to live in that community and to have experienced the knee on the neck, so mm. to speak, yeah. you know, how, how do we help yeah. and not hurt and, and yeah. bring that, that reconciling work of Christ? Cause we know it's not as simple as just getting out there and preaching on the street. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. <laughs> we wish it was though, man. Like we got the technology to do that. Um, yeah. So we were talking and, um, you know, if I can sum up one word that is the starting point, I think it's embracing a posture of lament. Like, I think that is the posture. And 
And if I could just sum up lament in like three words and like if people are like taking notes or something like these three words, I think will carry you a long way if you're talking about lamenting. It's honesty, it's empathy, and it's dependency. And it has to be all three of those things. It, it, it's brutally honest about what has happened, not watering it down, not making it clean, not putting it in some pristine package because we we think that God needs to hear it clean. But looking at the way David lamented, the way Jeremiah lamented, I mean, it's raw. I mean, in this lament I was just talking about, I mean, he's, he literally says, you haven't treated anybody else like this. And there's the rawness to that. There's a real honesty. So it begins with truthful honesty about what has actually happened. And I think that part is so hard for us to do because if we're brutally honest about how bad a situation is, we recognize just how far we are from a solution. So it's hard to be so brutally honest about how bad something is if you know that the more honest you are, the less you know you can solve it. So yeah, so so yeah. can I stop you there? I want you yeah. to explain the other two as well. I definitely want yeah. to hear you out on that. Yeah. Yeah. But what is the brutal honest truth? about this particular situation what should we as christians say about it what words should we choose because i think words really matter in this so what what words are you finding yourself using as you're talking to people in your church because i know this is is beyond minneapolis right yeah this is like a (laughs) national news i mean this is impacting people in your church oh yeah you personally so what words are you using to describe the situation yeah um well as we speak this week i don't know if you heard about what happened in des moines too um a guy was jumped outside of his girlfriend's apartment um showed up to her apartment she didn't come to the door i think four or five white guys came grabbed him pummeled him like busted his face in. I think he fractured all types of uh, bones in his face, dragged him to the creek, started drowning him. And then by the grace of God, two ladies showed up and and kind of scared them off. Um, had that not happened, we, you know, we're talking about Emma Till part two. I mean, it was scary. I mean, even seeing his face now and all of that. And so this is all in the same week. So it's just been a heavy week and we can go story after story, obviously this week, it's just been crazy. So um, one thing I would say is one, um, always, always come into this, like always come into this. Like, I just think that like, when we skip past the word of God, um, what it does is it might get us motivated to care for like a moment, but it won't give us an eternal passion for it. But the word of God can do that. And so I think one, going to the word of God, and that's where I was going to go last with the dependency part. But um, but the second thing is like, so if you're going to the word of God, what words do the word of God use? And I think the word is clear, injustice. Call it injustice. And, um, you know, we talked about this, like I think injustice is such a used word and justice is such a used word that like, I think it can be confusing and people like, even when you say it, like some people like might agree, I think that's unjust, but what does it mean? Like, I don't know, but like, it seems unjust. Well, what's the difference between this and just personal unrighteousness? Like, because people kill people every day. What, what makes this different than watching 
just a brother killed another brother. Like what is so different about this? And I think it's this reality that as you search the scriptures, I think that justice can be summed up simply, or injustice can be summed up simply as sin with power. Just simply sin with power. Like, and the example I always use is like, unrighteousness is for my daughter to punch me in the face. It might sting a little bit, I'll be good. Injustice is for me to punch my daughter in the face. Why? Because I am the one in power in that situation. And not only does my power extend because of how strong I am in that moment, but it goes beyond that because I can control who she talks to about what just happened. And then it goes beyond that because it's her voice versus mine. And, there, and, and then if you really bring it home, like I'm a pastor, there's just so many layers to the amount of power I carry as I make that move as opposed to when she makes that move towards mm. me. Yeah, I was reflecting on our conversation last night and thinking about this particular situation in terms of Romans 13, mm. that God has instituted the governing authorities and he's placed these particular police officers in this position of authority, as well as all the governing structure above them. Mm. And the purpose of that is mm. to punish evildoers and to protect people from mm. evildoers and so to see somebody using their god-given position of authority instead of to protect but actually in a harmful way and you add the layer to that that everyone in the situation is an image bearer of god and so those police officers knit together in their mother's womb this African-American man on the ground with a, a knee on his neck, image bearer of a, of a holy God. And everyone has equal and tremendous dignity, worth, and value in the sight yes. of God. Yes. And then for these guys to use their God-given authority to murder. I mean, I think we have to use the word oh, yeah. murder yeah. someone is i think that's what resonates with me it's mm -hmm. deepened my understanding so thanks for that conversation last night and and continuing to explain that because i think it, it deepens uh, my understanding of why watching this particular video has been so disturbing to all of us mm -hmm. praise god man and thank you for that conversation as well and and I think once you start with being able to call it, like you said, murder, and but not only murder, like Cain, you know, killed Abel, right? That, that's murder. But beyond that, like injustice because of the power structure, man, you can feel the heaviness. And then imagine being a part of a community. And this is the second part. So honesty, then empathy. Because then you start to imagine being a part of a community that experiences not to this degree all the time and definitely not on camera most of the time but these small injustices and it starts to get at you i mean you, you're, you're watching you'll go into a relationship you can appreciate this as a pastor you go to a relationship and a guy will like leave his sock on the floor at a house you just went, went over and the wife will just lose why are you leaving the sock on the floor right 
like is she tripping like it's a sock you know what i mean like like i almost did that when i walked into your house as a guest but i know now socks are the thing that make you angry and the reality is it, it, it wasn't about the sock it was about the history before the sock that this guy might have been called and asked by his wife to do this thing and this thing and this thing. And he's been saying, no, 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 not going to do it, not going to do it. And then the sock is the thing that finally explodes. And, and so that's the empathizing part of like understanding if a community feels like they've been feeling this all the time, what that would do. Anybody who's been silenced for anything, just if somebody would just take your, some, your hand, their hand over your mouth, and cover it for too long you start to do this you start your, your your natural reaction as a human being is to say get off of me right well you take that and you bring that to the corporate level and it's almost like let me talk let me let me say something let me let me do some somebody hear me is the 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 depth of the emotion that people are feeling and that only happens to that level of empathy through relationship this is why I love King Jesus modeling this. He, we talk about the incarnation so much, but in his incarnation, he didn't do it alone. He decided to bring upon him and with him real friends who were with him in some of most, his most vulnerable moments to really empathize with the people. And so then he's on the cross and he's crying out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. That is empathizing. That is empathizing, even though he knows that they're wrong. And I, I just think that that sense of empathy has to be there in order to lament. But honesty and empathy alone are not lament. And I think that so many people stop there, like just cry out angry. I'm angry with you. But then there's dependency because lament is directed somewhere. It's not directionless crying. It is directed towards the God of heaven who through his death and resurrection from the dead has already proven that perfect justice will come. So you're crying out to the one who will actually get done the very thing that you want to, for him to accomplish. And for, for Christians, that last thing needs to be so important that you don't just cry to your friends, though you can do that. You don't just be honest to a blank wall. Like you do that. You turn and direct your honesty and your empathy towards God. And you say, why, Lord? And yet in the midst of that, as you're turning to him, it is a declaration in and of itself that the one you're crying to, like an infant turning to his mom, that the one you're crying to can actually feed you. The one you're crying to can actually get done what you need to get done. So... Honesty, empathy, and dependency as I think the first step in dealing with a situation like this. So, yeah. Mm, that's such a good word. And I, I was talking to you last night to recap just about the conversation that I had with my son, Luke, who's adopted from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah. And, you know, just, just his mind spinning with it. And we've already started having conversations with him about how he needs to think differently about his actions when he's going to be driving someday. And he's got a lot of questions about that. And, you know, we watch videos together and, uh, you know, that that's changed my perspective. And, 
Mm -hmm. uh, that just resonates with me so much that 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 empathy has led me to a different type of dependence mm. on God. And, and I've still got a long way to go mm. uh, to empathize, not only with my African-American brothers and sisters in Christ, but also um, just with people in my life mm. in general. And, mm. you know, we could all, we could all use that. And, mm. you know, it, it resonated with me, you know, just talking about the Psalms too, even, even prior to this uh, incident with George Floyd in Minneapolis, uh, our staff has, has just been living in the Psalms in the mm. midst of COVID, wow. you know, um, wow. and that's not an, that's not an, uh, a justice issue, yeah. um, but it's a, a trial issue. And just that language that the Psalms give us this vent to our spirit, you know, cause, because that anger is going to come out somewhere and on someone and what a comfort to know right that god's shoulders are big enough that he can handle that and yes. would you would you mind just just ending our time it's been so great talking to you man would you mind just ending our time by uh just modeling for us what this looks like in prayer mm. before our holy god I, mm. it would just be such a privilege for me to to mm. hear you pray and to pray with you as you mm. uh lead us in in lament before mm. god Mm. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Father, I just ask how long, uh, how long will men die in the street? Um, how long will they cry out and cry out and cry out and no one hear them? How long will it be that we have to see a video in order to believe our brothers and sisters in Christ? How long, O oh Lord, will you stand by and watch this happen, God? I don't understand. Um, I really don't. I don't understand how it piles up week after week. Um, God, I feel numb at times to it. And I don't even understand how to get myself out of that. Lord, I desperately, desperately, desperately am asking you to show yourself in this. Show us what you're doing, how you're moving, um, because we need it badly. Um, God, how long will moms cry out for their sons? God, how long will we forget these mothers in these situations who have lost their babies? God, would you just help us to have empathy? And yet, King Jesus, I'm so grateful that we serve you, the only one who can come down as a man and literally be called the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief because of your empathizing with our sufferings. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you did not just look upon our situation and say, I feel bad for you. But you looked upon us and you said, I will experience the very things that you have experienced. I thank you that you did not come down in power, but you came down in humility and you endured even the corruption of power yourself. You took upon yourself not only 
the pain of the sins of the world, but the pain of the specific sins of the time, the injustices of a courtroom that lied on you and told all types of stories about you that nobody could corroborate, and yet you endured it silently. Jesus, we want the peace that you have. We want the contentment that you had in that moment. And we beg you that you would hand it to us literally in the most clear way possible. I pray for the comfort of Minneapolis. I pray for the comfort of those suffering even in Salt City. And I pray for wisdom of its leaders that they would be able to lead out in honesty, empathy, and dependency all directed towards you, God. Lord, we love you that you call us our friends. We thank you that we, you, we can call you Father. And God, we are just so, so grateful that even in the midst of our rawest pain, we have one who we can turn to, who can maybe not just, who doesn't always take away the pain in the moment, but can help us through the pain and can always say to us, and I've experienced that pain with you and promise us that one day every tear will be wiped and every single injustice will be properly dealt with. God, we await your hitting of the gavel, the striking of the gavel, the perfect justice will come at the return of you, our Lord and Savior and King. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Recab. Yeah, thanks for joining us guys today. And I hope this uh, begins a great conversation uh, that we can continue to have with each other. And I, I hope it leads us to that uh, just raw dependency on God and uh, a new way of relating to him and, and crying out to him for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So thanks for joining us and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks, Recap. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for having me.